the world's most advanced prediction technology is now available to all players. Equine Edge AI analyzes all horse performance data, track conditions, jockey trainer statistics, and a horse's genetic strength to generate powerful metrics and ticket recommendations. Backed up by real-time data with Equine Edge, handicapping is simple, smart, and efficient. It takes the guesswork out of betting on horses so you can focus on enjoying the thrill of victory. Play like the pros today at equineedge.com. As part of our special summer promotion, we have an exclusive offer that is only available to In The Money Media listeners. All In The Money Media listeners who are now who are new to Equine Edge get the service absolutely free for an entire month. Simply use promo code FREEMONEY on the account sign-up page or go directly to equineedge.com forward slash freemoney. With Delmar and Saratoga coming up, now is the perfect time to sign up for your free account and get familiar with the program. Welcome to episode 105 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl, and today my special guest is none other than Capital OTB's very own Brian Natto. Me and Brian go over races 1, 3, 7, and 10 from this past weekend's wonderful racing from Saturday at Saratoga. And some angles that we talk about are the top three-year-old picture after the Haskell and how my winner in race number one might be considered value. This is Redboard Rewind. And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest for this week's Redboard Rewind. I've had him on previously for for Fairgrounds, and now I have him for Saratoga. It is Brian Natto. Brian, how are you? Spencer, always good to talk to you again. Things are going well. Uh, one weekend down at Saratoga, four days down, 36 to go. So probably not a terrible thing. You've got me on um, mid-July as opposed to late August. Could be. Could be a different vibe up here, you know what I mean? Well, I was all—I was like, do I do I catch Brian before the burnout or after? Because a lot of times for me, when it's mid-August, I just I came and speak about Saratoga because I've just been looking at the same PPs for thirty-seven straight days. Yeah, it's uh, as uh, our, our good friend uh, PTF. Well, I always like to say to him, it's not the forty days; it's the forty nights. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You and I were talking off the air. Um, the vibe is certainly you know obviously different than it was last year and um the people are back in droves not only at the track but in town and it's just it's great to see um you know saratoga is saratoga again i think even uh to the nth degree i mean everybody's returned and then some and uh it's it's great to see you know we had a obviously it's a tough year 18 months on all fronts and um it's uh, it's it's just great that everything is, is back, you know, kind of basically how it was. To, to be honest with you, so everybody's, you know, being safe, and I'm and I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm in that avenue in that regard. But the racing's been second to none, and, and it's been, it was a great opening weekend as well. It was. Uh, I'm halfway through my notes for the week. I, I still have to do a couple more notes for uh, for Saturday's car and most of Sundays because I know they were off off the turf that day. But it was interesting the first couple of days, you know. Louis Saya is getting off to that wickedly hot start, uh, three wins on both days. And uh, I think a sneaky jock for the opening weekend was Manny Franco, who just on the opening day had, uh, he hit the ball with four horses that were 10 to one plus. Yeah. You know, for my money and, and, and uh, I had this conversation with a couple good friends, you know, sharp guys on, on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll go to battle with Luis Saez over anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's as good as there is. And, I mean, who does he ride for? He doesn't ride for anybody. You know, he gets like third string mounts for, for, for Todd Fletcher. You never, I don't even remember him riding a horse for Chad Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, Kieran is Kieran McLaughlin, his agent, really, really good job. But, you know, Luis isn't in a barn and he's still winning all these races. And, and I just think he's tremendous. So it was great to see him get off to a nice start. He's a really good guy as well. And then you mentioned Manny Franco and what we'll talk about the Diana in a little bit, but yeah, you're right. Manny is, um, I, I kind of feel like Manny maybe falls through the cracks a little bit up here at Saratoga, because mm-hmm. obviously you've got the Ortiz brothers. You've, you've got 
Joel Rosario, now Tyler Gaffleone is here. I mentioned Luis Saez, all these guys up here, Hall of Famers, Velasquez and Castellano. But, uh, yeah, there's Manny doing his thing. And, you know, Manny's about a 20% rider throughout the year. And, and you get a guy like that up here. And, like I said, he falls through the cracks a little bit. And exactly what you alluded to, Spencer, that he's, he's hitting the board with big prices. And, uh, you know, Manny's going to get his up here. That's for sure. It might not be to the, the strike rate at Aqueduct over the winter and all that. But Manny's going to win races up here. That is for sure. This is a Saratoga podcast, but let's switch gears real quick. Let's talk about the bit one of the other big races that was this past Saturday, the Haskell over at Monmouth Park. Obviously, for those who watched uh, Scary in the Stretch, we I was watching with PTF and Marshall Graham, and we didn't we at first didn't know exactly what had happened. But uh, first of all, what a race before that! And I mean, Hot Rod Charlie, for what it's all worth, he was my top pick. But our guy Mandaloon gets through with another DQ. It's the second DQ for him for the year. And me and PTF, we don't think it's ever happened before. Two grade one DQs for a three-year-old. Uh, I actually saw on, on Twitter that uh, Ed DeRosa had said it's never happened. I guess it's the 55th time a horse has been placed in, in a grade one. I'm, I'm, I believe I got that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed's Mr. Stack guy. So, But I do think he followed that up with saying it's never happened, not only in a grade one, but in a graded stakes race. A horse hasn't been DQ'd twice. Um Boy, there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Um, just first, Mandaloon, and Brad Cox said it perfectly. I read a couple of the quotes. You know, Mandaloon ran a winning race, okay? Yeah. So, um, yes, he gets put up via DQ, but, um, you know, I, you said you liked Hot Rod Charlie, and, and, you know, I'm sure if you had a wager on him or you were live in the picks or, or what have you, um, you know, in deep stretch, you didn't think Mandaloon was going to lose by a nose. So mm-hmm. I, I think you do have to give credit to Mandaloon. High Rod Charlie just fires every time. He, I mean, man, he, he, he backed up that absolutely seismic, heartbreaking Belmont that he ran. Um, and it's just, on. thank goodness, Midnight Bourbon and Paco Correct. Lopez are, are at this point in time okay. Um Listen, Spencer, I've never ridden a racehorse, and I don't pretend to be a jockey, so I, I can't really speak of, you know, that whip thing that, that Mama's got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people smarter than me and a lot of people that have won thousands and thousands of races have said, well, if, if Lavian Proud had a whip, it, it, that would not have happened. Um, I, to be honest with you, I watched it live at one establishment downtown. After they hit the wire, I left to go to another establishment downtown, and I really didn't even realize there was like a, a chance of a disqualification because I watched it live and on the pan and I was just so focused on, on what happened mm-hmm. with Midnight Bourbon and Paco Lopez that to be completely honest with you, as I alluded to earlier, with I, I didn't even notice that Mandaloon had come back and was in a photo with Hot Rod Charlie yeah. because I just stopped watching and was, you know, looking behind as opposed to forward and then they were then they were posting the result or like the photo finish i said holy cow i didn't even realize that but you know obviously you're you're looking at the 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 accident that happened it's just unfortunate i i think we really dodged a bullet and that both human and equine are, are reportedly okay and um you know that's that's what matters most at the end of the day so um, it, it's just, it was an, an unfortunate situation. Um, and you know, I, it, it, on the head on, it was a, a right to DQ. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody is really, um, you know, too peeved at that. So I, I, I think if nothing else, that was the correct move. It was unfortunate, but, uh, you know, that was, that seemed to be the, the correct move to me, at least. It wasn't one of those ones where we could debate it to the end all the time. I, I think that probably had to happen. Uh, I, I did read uh, Midnight Bourbon, I think, came out with some scrapes, but overall was yeah. in okay, uh, okay form, at least. And uh, it's interesting now for the three-year-old race for an Eclipse Award, even like, okay, essential quality should, should win the Jim Dandy. Uh, man, you'd think it'd be Mandaloon versus him and the Travers, and maybe that decides it. But what if it's a close race there, and then they both go to the Classic? I think this three-year-old crop is going to come down to the very, very nitty-gritty for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, it's tough, too, because I don't know if you have a vote, but I vote in that NTRA poll every mm-hmm. Monday. And it's you're like, what the heck do I do here? I mean, this <laughs> horse, he hasn't won the Kentucky Derby yet, but he probably, I hope he's going to. Um 
and he had he didn't quote unquote win the Haskell. But at the end of the day, he's probably he did win one of them, and he's probably going to win the other. So um, it, it's very very tough. I guess if we, we could just keep rooting for a sense of quality, and then we wouldn't have to make a, a tough decision. It doesn't sound like um, it doesn't sound like Brad is going to run both of them in the Travers. Uh, I, I read some quotes. I, I actually texted him this morning, but we didn't really have a conversation. Um, I, he mentioned the Pennsylvania Derby. I mm-hmm. know he likes spacing with Mandaloon as well. Um, so I get it all. It's just, it, it would be too bad because obviously they're two of the most steep donors in the game, yeah. Judmont and Godolphin. Um, so we'll say, you know, there's a lot to be to happen in four weeks uh, to the Travers. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but boy, that would be, you know, just awesome. If we, if we got him up here, it sounds like hot rod Charlie's going his own separate way out to California. You know, they've danced a lot of dances and shipped a lot of places. Obviously they came to fairgrounds when, when I think you and I talked yep. and then certainly the Derby. And then he comes back to New York and now he comes to New Jersey. So you got to give Doug O'Neill a lot of credit. You also have to give him a lot of credit before we get too far off the beam here. Um, just for how candid he was, how, uh, boy, I'm really worried about Paco Lopez and Midnight Bourbon kind of thing. You know, Doug, Doug's a Doug's a pretty true and true guy. So, uh, you know, you, you give him some credit for that, too, in the heat of battle and all that. But, um, uh, yeah, the three-year-old division, it's fascinating. I think these horses are now starting to run fast as well. And, and uh, yes, back to your original premise about seven minutes ago, yeah, essential quality is your, your clubhouse leader right now, but there is a lot of heavy lifting to be done, don't you think? I, th- I think for me, if I had a vote, i just take a dartboard. i put all three names on the dartboard, and whichever one I hit between Hot Rod, uh, Mandaloon, or essential quality, I'd be okay with that vote going in as my vote. Let's uh, well, let's let's quit it with the chit chat. Let's get back into these races so we can uh, make some people some money for the next week at Saratoga. Race number one from Saturday is the first race we're going to go over. It was a state bred maiden special weight, five and a half on the turf. What'd you like in here, Brian? I like Sheriff Bianco. Um, you know, I, I like this outside attack post. Uh, you know, Jose Ortiz is so good at getting horses in the race early. It's obviously Wesley Ward. Excuse me, with a lightly raced horse. Uh, I just thought, A, this, this, there's not a lot in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for sure. You've got an 0 for 13 made in the Noro. And, and Sheriff Bianco seems to be on the improve. He draws perfectly. You, you have to, you're going to see these five and a half furlong turf races and you, and you blink and you're already on the far turn. And if you're too far behind, you, you, you just can't win. So uh, I did like Sheriff Bianco with with uh, he was my lone A in the race and uh, uh, I had a backup uh, backup B ticket with with Nuro uh, because you know he was a big sheets player and, and and he had a big big thoroughbred number especially for a group like this so I did back him up uh, I, I sprinkled a little of the war smoke in there for first serve with for Jeremiah with Irad here uh, because I I didn't think that. You know, a first-time starter had to be a freak, Spencer, to win this race, especially when you look at it on paper. So those are the three I went with, but I was very heavy on a lean to Sheriff Bianco as my solo A. I, th- I think for me, just going into this race, uh, I always just have a rule, 0 for 10 or higher, I just cross them out. But yep. recently, in the last few weeks, I've started to, you know, kind of bend that rule a little bit. I found a couple horses that I found at decent prices, paying, you know, 8 9 bucks that, you know, makes sense. And for me... I was eight was going to be the top pick originally. Then I started to do a deeper dive for, um, for Spitzer. Oh, for 41 turf sprinting so far as a sire, not does not have a turf sprint winner yet, which I thought was extremely, extremely interesting. So that one kind of took him out. He was a contender, obviously, but not as my top pick war smoke going through the pedigree. It just seems like the war dancer, Holy bull, like they just want longer. And I was like, okay, if they do well here, Obviously, the horse could be a freak when they stretch out next time out. And Irad obviously getting the call does mean a lot. I ended up not playing War Smoke as a contender. I said I'll play him back next time. So for me, it was just the number two Neuro and then a little bit of Sheriff Bianco. When I obviously saw the odds, it when you when you actually make an odds line, it makes the game so much easier. Because for me, all it was was just Neuro, knowing that I just wasn't going to get the right price on Sheriff Bianco to start off. 
Yeah, we're in that day and age, aren't we, where the betting public just, they need to hammer a horse. It's, it's like a guilty pleasure almost. And and you're right. For uh, I'm looking at the chart now. For Sheriff Bianco to be six to five and Neuro to be three to one, and he had, you know, a seven and a nine in his last two starts. And you look at Sheriff Bianco, he's running 12s and 14. So, yeah, the discrepancy there was just, you know, totally incorrect. It was probably more like nine to five and two to one if you're making a fair odds line. Um, I, you know, I did like the tactical speed of Sheriff Bianco, and that's ultimately why I, I that was my separator. But certainly a fair odds line. Um, has has them very very close and a heck of a lot closer than as as we're you know you indicated than the price that, that it was on Saturday. And I will say I will say as well, uh, Robbie Robredo over thirty five on turf the last two years is not a very fun stat to look at when you're playing a horse at sub four to one. But uh, my two my two jockeys I'm going to be using due to stats race lens, just looking at just turf racing in general and positive ROIs. Uh, Javier Castellano is plus 14% ROI in most turf races, and I think Lezcano, who's my go-to, is plus 44. I just think out of everyone you see there, for two guys to have a positive ROI like that, so obviously the, the change from Jose Ortiz to Castellano doesn't seem like a big one. I thought it was a little bit bigger here. The 0 for 35 stat's kind of scary, but in certain races, sometimes you just got to take a stand. In this one, I just wanted the top two. If I was going to probably go deeper, I probably would have actually ended up using War Smoke if I was going to play pick fives and pick fours. And uh, for me, it was the number two Neuro. For Brian, it was Sheriff Bianco. Let's see who can get it done in their maiden right now. Giramonte broke well. So did Sheriff Bianco. And it is Sheriff Bianco who has the early lead. Giramonte's on the outside and racing in second. And then comes Freudian Fate next in third, followed by... I'm blaming you in fourth. On the outside, Oliver's Fortune runs in fifth, followed by Martinez in sixth. Majestic Tiger is down on the inside and in seventh. Then comes going to be dancing next in eighth position as the field goes around the far turn. Down on the inside, it is Sheriff Bianco. And on the outside, the challenge is Giramonte. And then comes Oliver's Fortune in third. On the far outside is a Martinez who's racing in fourth position. The quarter went in 22-1. and one. Sheriff Bianco and Giramonte, they continue to battle it out. Then Martinez. Nuro is putting in a run, and so too is the first-time starter. War Smoke on the outside. They're coming down for the finish. Giramonte, Nuro, War Smoke. They all come to the wire together, and Nuro got it from in between horses. Nuro, the winner, close for second between War Smoke and Giramonte. And the number two, Neuro, gets it done. $8 is the winning mutual. Only a 76-winning buyer. He dropped from that 82 last time out. What a great job by War Smoke running second with a 75 buyer. I said this horse will only do better getting longer. I think Jeremiah might have a good one here running so well first time out at 5.5. Yeah, and this is not a, a rule of thumb race because you do not win turf sprints at Saratoga coming from ninth and 10th at the pace call. But yes, you're right. I want War Smoke going forward. Um, I'm. You said 0 for 10. My line in the sand is 0 for 15. But you know that's. I'm, I'm not playing you at 0 for 15. Um, but I, I agree with your premise that once those losses start adding up, um, you, you're you're starting to become that refuser. You know. But Nuro, I, I think if you look at him, dug a little deeper, as you kind of alluded to, and I've kind of alluded to, um, he was the one in here. And Sheriff Bianco really had no excuse. I mean, you see 22 and 1, 45 and 2 on this turf course going five and a half. When you're six to five, eh, you're supposed to win. I'm sorry. So he would be a big fade for me going forward. And I, you know, you, everything you said about War Smoke, I couldn't agree with you more. Give me him going forward. Give me him going a two turn mile next out. And uh, yeah, that, that, that should be um, name the score kind of time. Number 11, Garamonte, Leah Germati, first off the claim, off Harold Bond, who we know was ice, ice cold at, at Belmont. I think he was 0 for 40. Runs a solid third here at 25 to 1 with Eric Cancel, who I think back in the day, the last couple of years, everyone always, you know, kind of crapped on Eric for just not being the best finisher and not. But since the, since the new, uh, the new change for him with getting a different agent, I mean, he has just been super solid in the way he won the Aqueduct riding title with six on the last day. Just, I mean, coming into his own, I think right now for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's done a very, very good job. And, and, and he is like, uh, I would say, uh, like 
poor man's Manny Franco. Is that a good way to say it? I mean, he doesn't get any publicity up Mm -hmm. here whatsoever, but you know, some, that's a good thing when you're a handicapper and you're a better, and he's a guy that, that's going to ride the pain off of every horse he gets on. He's been, uh, I think he's been much more aggressive early, and that's bode, bode well for him, too. So uh, definitely a name, as you said, Spencer, to kind of keep your eye on because, you know, you're not going to look up and see Eric Cancel at 5-2 to two with every mount he's got. It's going to be more, much more like 22-1. to one than five to two and that's where you get a lot of value especially underneath in the exotics couldn't agree more with you there let's move on to race number three from saratoga's optional 80 claimer n1x one mile on the inner turf course what'd you like in here brian i did like third draft in here i mean they were basically all kind of the same on paper and i thought she ran very very well facing winners for the first time uh, in her last start, she was probably a little closer than they wanted her to be. But, you know, as you know, Spencer, it's tough to take on winners for the first time. Uh, it can be a real rude awakening. And it took her five starts, yeah, five starts to break her maiden. She comes right back with a good third against winners, um, Jose Ortiz and Shug, you know, we know how good they are. And they team up to be pretty good up here. So I, I thought even though she's run six times, I, I thought off that last race, she was really, really playable in here. And any other reason, I, you know, I thought it would be a good, she would be a square price. I also thought she'd get some hitting up front because you look at this field, certainly loving money off the private purchase on the stretch out off the sprint win at Mammoth. You got first Lasix down inside with Miss Spell, who's coming in off a layoff. She could be a little sharp. Seascape, dirt sprinting off the claim for Diodoro. Magisterium wants to get involved early. And then Miss Delicious has got a bad post, so she's got to go too. And, and is adding was adding LASIK. So, you know, you look through the body of this field, and it's very rare in a turf race where you can kind of feel strongly in, about the pace, and, and I felt that was it uh, in this spot here. So I like third draft. With that being said, Spencer, I think I have four A's in my pick five, so it's not like I, I loved her or I was all that aggressive with her. At the end of the day, she was my top pick, but it was to me, it looked like a spread race. And I also kind of thought, you know, you play these pick fives and they're getting a million, a million and a half in the pool. It's just utter insanity. And you get a five to one, four to one, you know, that horse might be 10, 12 to one in the sequence, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you get a lot of value when mid price contenders win like that, especially, you know, they go bonkers with love and money at six to five. I mean, that's just, that's, that's kookiness. <laughs> um, so you get a lot of value in spots like that. And I, and I did think it was a spread race where any four or five of them could win. So I did want coverage, but uh, I did land on third draft. I think too, when I looked at this race and I was trying to, I, I did my first pass and I said, okay, spread race, you know, let me see if I can figure out a nice little, the old school horse player now, $6 exactly. You pick two contenders, you put the same two contenders underneath and find your two bombs that you can, you know, equal $6. And so I ended up just playing the two love and money with, I believe the 11 Miss Delicious, who I know was coming off a tough post, but I just saw Johnny V on there and obviously Lescano jumping off. I thought maybe David Donko, I know was not the best with these turf horses, maybe had something there, even though it was a nice, easy pace last time out, first time against winners. And I said, okay, well, who else can I use? Well, looking through, I just thought, you know, I'll use Magisterium because Manny Franco, like I said, having all those long shots, he was 10 to 1. Noda on opening day had two long shots hit the board and a $10 winner. So when that barn heats up, I usually just gravitate to that barn until they start to seem to cool off. And I used third draft underneath as well. So I was really 211, 9 with the 7. And like we had said, it was a huge spread race. But when you have these types of races, is if I'm incorrect with love and money and I can get two long, longer shots in the exactors are going to pay four or five X what I usually think they would pay. Yeah. And I'm looking at the chart now and, and, um, miss delicious at nine to one. I mean, it was, uh, with Lasix, it only run three times mm-hmm. and you know, what an overlay she turned out to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree, Spencer. And it was a, it was a race where, you know, you were, you didn't, you're allowed to play against love and money yet. You can use her for certain, but, um, you know, off of maiden special weight, five furlong, five and a half furlong turf sprint at Monmouth Park. Um, you know, it was a big ask for her to come to Saratoga, to stretch out to two turns, to beat a good field, to beat other speed. We'll see how it plays out in a second. But 
Uh, win, lose, or draw, she was an underlay at, this, at that number, which was uh, six, six to five. Four, Bryant's number nine, third draft. I'm really trying to get the number seven, Magisterium, into the number. Let's see who can get their allowance win right now. Shecky Shabazz is out for the early lead, and Happy Mac now moves up and takes second. Then comes Competitive Saint, who is next in third position. As the field heads up the back stretch down on the inside, is Battle Station, who is running in fourth, passed there by Gear Jockey in fifth. Then we come back to Chimney Rock, who's in sixth, and Mount Travers is next in seventh. Super Dorme is running in eighth, followed by Ghoul in ninth, and the trailer is Duress in tenth. The entry is one, two, through a quarter in 22 and one. Shecky Shabazz leads by two and a half lengths as Gear Jockey now moves into second. Happy Mac drops back on the outside is Competitive Saint. Then comes Chimney Rock. Far outside it is Super Dorme. The half went in 45 and two-fifth seconds. It is Gear Jockey and Shecky Shabazz. And the two of them are heads apart with Gear Jockey now in front. Shecky Shabazz is back running in second. Then Super Dorme and Competitive Saint. Gear Jockey, the winner by almost two. Shecky Shabazz was second. And the number nine, third draft, gets it done. 11.40 is the winning mutual. 81 buyers, so everyone kind of improved and declined a couple points, which is exactly what we love about these turf races. Uh, I get I get pretty much not split, but my two bottom horses almost come in. And Magisterium at 10-1 to 1 just missing was kind of like, ugh. Like when you have a win bet like that, a 10 to one shot, just kind of disgusting. Yeah, I mean, she ran well at a nice number, too. Third draft was a month of best. I mean, yeah. she had trouble off the far turn. She had to weave in. She had to weave out. Um, if, you know, I didn't have a win bet on her, but she was actually much better than Miss Spell in the picks, I think. So it would have been anybody that did have a win bet on her, she didn't win. It would have been criminal because she really was much the best. And, and she looks like she might be going places for Shug because – um, she certainly didn't have to win, and, and she really rebroke and surged late like she wanted to win. So kudos to her. Miss Spell ran well. You look at the chart, though, Spencer, and you can see the flow of the race. I mean, race, love and money was going way too fast mm-hmm. early while being asked to do something that, you know, she just wasn't ready to do, probably. And I still think she's probably going to be a nice horse. I would think she's, you know, very likely, very eligible to wire next time at this trip. But you know, on, on Saturday, July 17th, it was a, it was a big, it was a big ask for her. And again, you see the flow of the race at the, at the pace call eight, seven, five, where, where the, the top three finishers were last second to last and, and fifth. So it, it, it kind of fell apart early. You know, guys that, that note that kind of thing are, are probably going to want those, the, uh, the loving monies of, uh, in the Amalfi princesses and the battle blings more than they want third draft misspell and magisterium because the top three really did get all the best of it. Um, man, Miss Delicious was dreadful. And the, yeah. it, it's, I, this is a good side side note because uh, the money plays at Saratoga, um, a race we're not going to talk about, but I'll just mention it as a, another prime example if you remember in the Bo Liam race, Mahamel, who was favored on the morning line, it was not mm-hmm. a bad morning line by Dave Aragona. Mahamel was six to one for the majority of the betting. And I actually sent a text to a buddy because I wasn't at the track. I said, do me a favor, get a look at this horse. Does he have three or four legs? Because, um, you know, there was just, it was impossible that he was six to one. It was pretty impossible that uh, Miss Delicious was almost 10 to one. And sure as heck, neither of them really did a whole hell of a lot of running. And back to my original point, the money plays up here. People are just in the know. And and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't mean it like that. But people are just in the know up here. It's a lot sharper than your Friday at Aqueduct in March, you know, or even Belmont Friday at Belmont in June. So um, take note of that. Horses that are supposed to be bet that aren't, you note that and, 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 and act accordingly or at least tread lightly because um, more often than not, the money's right up here. And, and there, these were two absolute prime great examples on Saturday. I, I can't agree with you more. My, my dad, when he plays doubles and exactas, he'll look at the first time stars and like this one had nondescript workouts. It's down to like 
five to two, and I'm just like, Dad, how can you play this horse? He goes, horse is eight to one morning line. Someone knows something here, and lo and behold, the horse goes off and wins by five, and I'm ripping tickets up, and he's going to cash a double, and I'm just like, well, he's right. I guess the money does play up here, so I can't agree with you more there. I, I think just overall for this race, I, I agree with what you said with the uh, with the pace play. At five and a half, usually we don't see them come off the pace like this, and I just think overall this is a wide-open race, and I'm very, very excited to see where they can come back after this race. Obviously, Miss Delicious will be a horse that I will note. I think it's good to note that, like you had said, throughout the meet, if you can find horses like that that should be taking money and aren't, and you'll be surprised how many times you were right to not have money on the horse. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And the, the first time starters especially – up here, but I kind of feel like that everybody knows that, you know, you know, and you have to, you have to, how do I say it? You, you need to know what you're looking for. Yeah. If you don't say if Chad and Seth Klarman are, are two to one in a, in a maiden special way with a first or you don't go around telling everybody how live they are. They're supposed to be two yeah. to one. Conversely, when they're nine to one, that's when you run to the hills and don't go anywhere near that horse because it's basically telling you right then and there, hey, this horse isn't running at all today. Pletcher would be another one. You know, you don't want to see him seven to one. He's not going to win. It's as simple as that. And, um, you know, you have to know what you're looking for and, and take note of that. Know how to read the tote board because it really can unearth a lot, uh, a, a lot of, even if not winners, live horses that are going to outrun their odds or conversely underperform because of their odds. Was one race number seven, an optional 80 and two X five and a half again on the turf. What are we like in here, Brian? Yeah, I probably should have, when you texted me the other day, been like, I don't want to talk about this race. <laughs> I literally used like seven horses in here. Hey, I lost. It's very <laughs> frustrating. I lost my top pick. Um, it was a flyer, admittedly, but Guildsman was my top pick, so he comes out. Um, I played this late pick five aggressively, and there were ten horses. I had eight of them as A, Spencer. <laughs> oh, and and uh, I scratched into Shecky Shabazz as my top pick. Mm -hmm. um, I would have never bet him in a million years. He was kind of, uh, I, I always like the funny line, he's the one I liked the least most. You know, I disliked yeah. the, the least kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I had nothing clever. I thought it was a tough spot for Gear Jockey, who was cutting back, and I, I felt it would be way too sharp for him. Uh, but I thought his overall form and overall body of work, you still had to use him. I think he was my, um, he was my sixth, sixth choice, excuse me. So I had Shecky Shabazz on top. I had duress underneath. Um, and then my in competitive saying for, let me throw this out too. This is at least a good one to know. Bonaventure stable stables. Um, they do a very good job and a very underrated job. I think they've won a race up here 10 summers in a row, mm. and they don't start 50 horses. So just remember Dan Collins and Bonaventure Stable. Remember that name when you see them on the owner's list. They're going to win a race up here. They do a very, very good job. So anyway, I had that one in the mix too. But, yeah, Spencer, I, I did not have a strong opinion. I really felt – I was shocked to see the entry. It was so, so – heavily bet at least as they were loading because happy mac is a dirt horse and he's on the rail and the, you know i didn't really want anything to do with him so the entry to me was all shecky shabazz but I, I also felt like this was also one of those races spencer where if you can kick off this late pick five with a seven to one he's like 15 to one in the sequence so i wanted as much coverage I wanted to guarantee myself I would be alive after this race. Well, and I think it's still a good point because you hear so many people, they, they try to play the pick five. They try and, you know, in this race, they're like, I'm eight deep. Well, I have to become four deep in order to make the ticket possible. Whereas if you don't have a big enough bankroll, you should really be passing the sequence or just trying to find a way to maybe, if obviously, if you're right in the middle of the sequence, play two doubles and then play two doubles after this race. And just, it's not, it's not the day for the pick five. I, I had some interesting thoughts in here. I thought, for me, Shecky Shabazz, I just didn't want – the horse hadn't won since coming off the Jason Service barn, and I'm trying to avoid those horses. Obviously, the race last time he just oh, missed against Battles – or Service, yeah. And I just feel that coming out of those type of races that the horse fit, but not 2-1, to 5-2, I thought Gear Jockey was all right. I, I like the way that this horse had been moving forward, 94 in the, in the grade three, and then easy, uh, an easy, nice allowance win, slowly improving. 
So I thought that one was definitely going to be part of my ticket. Uh, competitive Saint was the other one for George Weaver. Everyone, I think, forgets George Weaver all of a sudden does 25% at Saratoga when he might be like 12% the rest of the year at the other tracks. So I definitely want him and leading rider by this point, Luis Saez, coming off the layoff. One, because George is A-OK off these type of layoffs, and B, the horse had won first time out. When you kind of have the, the good uh, layoff trainer plus the win first time out, I think it really can add to it. And the horse also had won off the layoff for both the wins. So this one likes to win fresh, and I thought it would run very, very well in here. So for me, it was just a solid little two-horse win dutch for me with the five and the eight. Yeah, I mean, George Weaver is one of those guys that, you know, not that not that everyone else doesn't win it, want to win at Saratoga, but when you see a horse like this, you know, this horse could have run at Belmont, you know. Obviously, he could have run at Belmont. They run this race three times a week down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here he is on opening weekend at Saratoga. The book's been out for quite some time. So, yeah, competitive Saint was a major, major player. And you're going to see so many of these competitive Saint kind of horses in the first two weeks of a meet. And I'll tell you what, if they're coming in off a legitimate layoff line and they're right, and they're here at Saratoga, this is where they wanted to run all along, and they are they are cranked to the gills to fire. For me, it was number eight, Gear Jockey, and the number five, Competitive Saint. For Brian, it was all the other horses, including the guy in the hot dog <laughs> stand. Let's see who can get this N2X right now. Shecky Shabazz is out for the early lead, and Happy Mac now moves up and takes second. Then comes Competitive Saint, who is next in third position. As the field heads up the back stretch, down on the inside is Battle Station, who is running in fourth, passed there by Gear Jockey in fifth. Then we come back to Chimney Rock, who's in sixth, and Mount Travers is next in seventh. Super Dormy is running in eighth, followed by Ghoul in ninth, and the trailer is Duress in tenth. The entry is 1-2 through a quarter in 22-1. and one. Shecky Shabazz leads by two and a half lengths as Gear Jockey now moves into second. Happy Mac drops back on the outside is Competitive Saint. Then comes Chimney Rock. Far outside it is Super Dormy. The half went in 45 and two-fifth seconds. It is Gear Jockey and Shecky Shabazz. And the two of them are heads apart with Gear Jockey now in front. Shecky Shabazz is back running in second. Then Super Dormy and Competitive Saint. Gear Jockey, the winner by almost two. Shecky Shabazz was second. And the number eight, Gear Jockey, gets it done. 1060, the winning mutual. 95, Buyer. Shecky Shabazz runs pretty much the same number right back with a 90. Competitive Saint runs another 84. So I kind of feel like Gear Jockey was the only one to improve here back to that grade three race a couple back. Competitive Saint and Shecky Shabazz kind of just kept running the same race they've been running. Yeah, and it's a really good job by by Jose Lescano, too, because you look at Gear Jockey, he's been stalking. I don't even really see, not even pressing. He's been stalking 47s, mm-hmm. 8s, and 9s, routing. And here's Jose got him in third when they're going 45 and 2. And that's pretty darn slow for a horse like Shecky Shabazz. And mm-hmm. I agree with you, he's not the same horse. Go figure away from Jason service, but he's still all right. And, you know, gear jockey ran him down on the square. That's a really good job by Jose Lascano to get him in the game early and to know he's got to get him in the game early coming in off those routes. And Rusty's going to win races up here this summer. A lot of these Churchill guys have a lot more courses here than normal because they essentially been kicked out of Churchill with the, yeah. the track closing for the turf renovation. So you're going to see the numbers from the Kentucky guys a lot more, and Rusty's one of them. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good job on a horse. Like I said, I, I didn't necessarily fade him because he was a he was a definite A, but, yeah, he wasn't anywhere near my top the top of my mix. So, so I was very fortunate to, A, not get the chalk, and, B, get gear jockey as well. I think so, too, and it goes back to how you were eight deep. I mean, a lot of people would try and cut here, and, I mean, if they cut down to four, he was your sixth pick. I mean, you miss. And this Well, is a, yeah, that's know. a really good point, too, and you, you mentioned it with the bankroll at the start of a few minutes ago. Um, if you're thinking about using seven or eight horses, you should never be cutting to four because that's just a recipe for disaster. You should be not playing, as you kind of alluded to, or playing something else because that's never a good business when you're thinking you're going to use seven or eight and you're like, well, let's just cut it to four and save some money. I would highly, highly recommend not using that strategy. 
Let's move on to our last race of the pod, race number 10. The great one, Diana, one and one-eighth miles on the inner turf. What do we like in here, Brian? I really like summer romance in here, Spencer. I mean, you look at these gals, and one of them wants to be in front, and the other seven of them don't. And uh, I, I thought stretching back out, don't forget the Just a Game, where she was run down by her stablemate, Althika. It's just a game is that funky one, one, one and a quarter turn um, at Belmont. She gets a true turn, two turns here at Saratoga over an inner turf course that always plays kindly to speed. She wired Alfiqua two back um, in, uh, in Dubai in the grade two Balachine. Um, and, and I just felt with Luis Sai, as you, I've, I've talked about, you've talked about him a lot. The one thing I did mention, he is so adept at getting horses to the front and reading racing mm-hmm. forms. That when he knows there's no speed, it was clear as day in here. So I really did like Summer Romance over, <coughs> excuse me, I put Lamisa in second and Alfiqua in third. Those are my three A's, but I had extras with Summer Romance. After those three, I thought the uh, gap was a pretty big one. And uh, I didn't think anybody, to be honest with you, really warranted much of a, a, a I'm not a Harvey's little Goyle fan i never have been um i did use her defensively as a b but to me i was very very willing to fade her because she's always an underlay as well so i I was kind of uh willing to play against her uh especially because i didn't really think she fired that well that much of a shot last time in the new york i thought maybe just starting off with harvey's little goil that the yielding track could have something to do with it possibly so i i wanted to use harvey's little goil and i was trying to figure out a way I went through and I said, okay, how can I make money in this race? And the horse that I thought was a cinch for second was La Signare. The 94 and 95, the last two, both in grade ones. I mean, grade form, uh, grade one form just fits everywhere. So I wanted to try and find this one to at least run second. So I did the reverse exacta. Now I got to find the horses I like that can win. What Harvey's little Goyle, La Mista, Summer Romance. I, I left off Altico, uh PTF had had uh, Richard Migliori on. And he had said how Summer Romance was just out training Altica since the last race. And I said, well, if they're saying that, Pete went and looked at them in the uh, in the paddock as well and just said it's pretty much what it looks like. Summer Romance looks great. Altica doesn't look as good as she did last time. So I kind of, I kind of wanted to use three on there. La Signari was 16-1. to one. I bet the horse to win as well. I just thought in a race that was wide open, and you look at the other horses that are double digits, I couldn't really figure out why La Signora was also double digits. Like why that this horse was also double digits. This was kind of like my overlay of the day, so I had to try and make some money with this one. Yeah, I think what happens is you know that she was a definite big overlay. I mean, she was probably has more of a nine or ten feel to her. Um, you know, Chad's won this race what five years in a row, and he's a local guy, so everyone you know looks looks at his horses certainly. Um, I mean, pocket square was seven to one in here. I don't want to ruin the, ruin the story here, but like, why would she win? You know what I mean? Um, she had no business being, there should have been a one in front of that seven. Uh, she should have been 17 to one. Um, and conversely, you got, you got a lot of, um, you got a lot of overlays. I, I'll think it was almost four to one. I mean, you mentioned your gal was 16 to one. That, that's crazy. Um, Lamista, if you liked her, I mean, almost four to one was mm-hmm. not, that terrible of a price off a U.S. one U.S. race where she ran a hundred. So um, they kind of just sent it in on summer romance. Obviously, of course, Harvey's little Goyle as well. And and there are some horses that just kind of got forgotten on the board. For Brian, it's summer romance. For me, it is lost in yard. Let's see who can win this grade one. And let's see if Chad wins six in a row right now. In the grade one, Diana Stakes. La Signore broke well from the inside, but there is Summer Romance now moving up to take the lead. Vigilante's way, Harvey's little Goyle, they are right together, second and third, and on the inside, Pocket Square and La Signore. Then comes Altica, who is racing in sixth, Lamista's alongside, and the early trailer is Magic Attitude in eighth as the field goes into the clubhouse turn. And it is Summer Romance setting the pace here, tracked by Longshot Vigilante's way on the outside. And down at the rail is a La Signore next and third. In between horses and moving up is a pocket square from fourth. Harvey's Little Goyle is next in fifth. And the opening quarter mile over the good turf, 23 and two-fifth seconds. And now the field is on the back stretch. And it is Summer Romance in front here. 
It is Summer Romance, the leader, with Vigilante's Way, still right behind in second. On the outside is Pocket Square next in third. La Signati down at the rail. On the outside is Harvey's Little Goyle. Then comes Altica in sixth, followed by La Mista. And Magic Attitude is the trailer. The half in 48 seconds as they head for the far turn. Summer Romance continues to lead here. It is Summer Romance now by a length and a half. Vigilante's way in second. Pocket Square is down on the inside in third. Harvey's Little Girl on the far outside in four. Then comes Altica as the field comes into the stretch. It is Summer Romance trying to go wire to wire. Harvey's Little Girl on the outside is Altica. Down towards the rail is Pocket Square. Summer Romance. Here's Stablemate Altica driving up on the outside. Altica has taken over. Summer Romance is second. It is Altica and Manny Franco to win the Diana Stakes. And tell me if you haven't heard this before. The number eight Altica wins paying nine ninety. The number six Summer Romance finishes second. Altica runs a super solid 101. Summer Romance runs 100. It's literally the same exact buyers back-to-back. I, Pete was coming up the stairs. I go, didn't we watch this race two weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I got very fortunate that the betting public didn't allow me to bet Summer Romance because 5-2 to two was insane. I mean, I liked her a lot, but she should have been four in here, not favored. She was pretty – she was comfortably favored. Yeah. She was almost favored by a full point over Harvey's old Goyle. And um, – you know, she ran her race. I, I, I guess in in hindsight, she got nagged a little bit by Vigilante's Way, who they bet a little bit, who really had no chance. Um, you know, Vigilante's Way had never really shown that kind of pressing speed, and 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 still, when you go forty eight flat on a firm inner turf course, you can't really have any excuses. And and I, I thought Althika ran her down on the square because Althika was sixth early on, you know. So um, I, I think it was a very fair race. Everybody everybody got their chance because the winner came from six. So what the heck's your problem, Lamisa? You ran dead last at seven to two when you were a half length behind the winner, you know, on the backstretch. Mm-hmm. Um, Magic Attitude disappointed. She could have run a little bit in here. Your horse had trouble, I think. La Signere, I don't know if it would have mattered, though, because Summer Romance was almost too clear. And I, I don't know, Spencer. I know it's always, you know, hey, we get the red board here, but I, maybe Harvey's little Goyle was exposed to me. I didn't see any any excuse. She, she, she looked second tier to me. And uh, these two gals from the Dolphin are all right. That's for sure. I, I will say this. If Charlie Appleby is bringing horses over, look out for this turf division. I think too, and just, just not to pat myself on the back, but I think when you look at the race and you see the other two double digit horses, you know, off the board and you actually hit the board, I think it kind of shows you had a good idea in the race. And a lot of times, you know, people are like, Oh, but you didn't hit you didn't hit your bet. You didn't make money, but it's a good confidence booster for me. I mean, for Lawson Yara to be second to last choice compared to magic attitude. And I got her and I, thought that she would run pretty well and she ran third. It was a good confidence booster for me going into the next week of races and just, you know, okay, I am finding these 15, 10 to one shots. And when you start finding those and you can start finding them with, you know, two or three a week, that's only going to add to the bankroll if you can find good ways to make them with money. Well, I think that's a very good way to look at it because, um, okay, yeah, you didn't put any money in your pocket, but uh, if, if La Signare is running seventh, beating 18 lengths and then you got a problem. So Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I mean, it sucks not to, you know, cash when you did have a good opinion, but, but you're in the ballpark and you're trending the right way. And so you have to trust the process and and, and trust what you're doing and know that it's going to pay off in the long run, as opposed to if you're not even close, then you really need to take a step back. You need to regroup and see what you're doing wrong because obviously it's something. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, some people might, like you said, you know, not to pat yourself on the back, or some people might think, um, you know, you're, you're trying to make yourself feel better. I, I agree wholeheartedly with the way you put it. You're in the ballpark, and uh, you're doing a good job, as opposed to you're nowheresville, and you're wondering, what the, am I, wa- am I watching and looking at the same race as other <laughs> people are, you know? Uh, before I let you go, I just want to ask real quick. I didn't prep you for this, but let's talk real quick about the Grade Three Sanford winner. Wit had such trouble, had so much trouble in that first start. Ended up winning by six. I, I was hearing from people around that uh, 
they think that this is the horse that's going to make the stallion practical joke. And I mean, wow, did he look bloody impressive on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he did. He, he really did. He was awesome. I mean, one by eight lengths and, and he did it, you know, how, um, how you want to see a horse do it. He didn't mm-hmm. run off on the lead and win by eight over a group of overmatched horses. I think probably in hindsight, these are overmatched horses. Um, but boy, he did it the right way. He's got to grow up a little bit. Uh, he, he's not breaking and, and he's just winning on sheer ability right now uh, because he's just way better than these horses. But to see him win like he's doing um, at, at this stage of his career really bodes well. Now, listen, Spencer, I sent this text to a friend and, and you know, I think you'll, you'll get it. I don't really know what it means, you know, in the middle of July because he's got to, um, He's got to, you know, still run two turns and all that and stuff. But, um, boy, he's a hell of a two-year-old right now. And and, um, somebody's going to have to really put on their running shoes if they're a better two-year-old at Saratoga this year than him because he'll freshen up now, wait for the hopeful on closing day. And uh, the way he's running races says, A, uh, distance is certainly not going to be a problem. Obviously, the hopeful still at one turn anyway. And you know there's still going to be plenty of hitting up front in the hopeful, and he's just going to sit back a little bit, and you would think just peel them all off. So, yeah, he's an exciting, exciting horse. And just quickly, too, I mean, over the past five, seven, ten years, I know you've been in the loop on this. Todd's not really winning prolifically with two-year-olds like he used to. Mm -hmm. Um, The program has changed. He'd rather have an early season three-year-old or a late season two-year-old, early season three-year-old, as opposed to these precocious types that you'll never hear from again come next February and March. So the fact that Witt is doing it now, I think only only adds to his appeal because, um, you know, he looks like a horse that they haven't even scratched the surface on. He's just doing it on sheer ability right now. Super excited. Ran a 90 this time. So, I mean, look out for those, you know, Breeders Cup juvenile futures if you want to get in an idea here. Have no idea what he'll be. Hopefully, he got it before this race because now he'll probably be, you know, sub four to one probably for that race. That is all the time we have for today's podcast. I want to thank my special guest, Brian Nowitt, for coming on. Brian, where can people find you on social media to talk all things Saratoga? Yeah, it's uh, Brian underscore J underscore Natto. So I'm on there and uh, Capital OTB and all that stuff. We do that daily one sheet that we put out. And, uh, you know, I'll catch you up at Saratoga as well, popping around, looking forward to it. For sure. Thanks so much for coming on. All right, Spencer. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank all of you, the listeners, and my special guest, Brian Natto, for coming on the show. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In the Money Media's present is Pierre Thomas Porentel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin, and our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Cotney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time.